Hi, this is Clayton from Chicago, Illinois. And if I didn't spend so much time listening to better podcasts, I still wouldn't listen to I Doubt It with Dalmar. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right. Welcome, our loyal audience, to episode 171 of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dalamore. And sitting across from me, happy as a lark, Brittany Page. Hello. Would that be accurate? Are you happy as the proverbial lark? Um, or as in Ben Carson's case, the proverbial? Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm I'm happy because it's Veterans Day. A very happy Veterans Day to Jesse D, everybody. Uh, he was a Marine. I wish I had crickets right now. <laughs> You like it. You appreciate it. Of course, I appreciate Veterans Day. I appreciate, uh, you know, it's it's nice to wake up and see the the messages on Facebook and everything. It's just, I don't know. I think if people could go about their day, veterans could go about their day in quiet dignity rather than just essing their own D or tooting their own horn do you know what I mean? I know you you get uncomfortable because you don't like... Like today, we saw... We were in a restaurant today. And we walk in and there's a a guy in his dress uniform, his army dress uniform, mm-hmm. sitting up at the bar. Mm-hmm. Just, come on, dude. We It's very clear, very transparent that you're in uniform because it's Veterans Day and you're milking it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't feel like I can comment on these things because... But, but you agreed. Silently, you agreed. We'll see. You just... We're not going to admit it, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel like I can... Com- I don't feel like I can criticize the behavior of veterans on Veterans Day because that's your place. You're a veteran. You can criticize your people. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I don't... Listen, I, I, of course I am very appreciative of the service of others, mm-hmm. for sure I am. Mm-hmm. It's it. I don't. I shouldn't have to say that. I love this country, and I love what we do as a country for the globe. And but I'm appreciative every single day. It doesn't take a, one day out of the year for me to, you know, wave my arms around and look at me. Look at me. I'm patriotic. Mm-hmm. I do it on a year on a year long basis. You sure do. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, yeah, happy Veterans Day to all of my listeners who have served, all those who thought about serving and didn't, all those who were well-intentioned. I really wanted to serve, but other things came up. Mm, Happy (laughs) Veterans Day to them too, huh? Yeah, just to everybody. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll let's just get on with the program. The program. Our phone number, for those of you who don't know, I don't know who that might be at this point, 657-464-7609. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We are still, still, everybody, accepting Thanksgiving 
American Thanksgiving submissions, and I keep saying American Thanksgiving because it's the American holiday on which we're going to play the episode. But this is open to all of our listeners, and I'm encouraging everyone who's hearing my voice right now. This isn't to a select group. This is to everybody. I want to get submissions from everybody. Think about the things for which you're thankful or that you have gratitude, and let us know, whether it be via that phone number, 657-464-7609, or the voice memo to idoubtedatdollamore.com. We really do want to hear from you. Uh, Thanksgiving is on the 26th, and we are rapidly approaching that day. So we want to hear from you. Please participate. Also, if you haven't already, go like the Facebook page, I Doubt It with Dollamore Podcast. Yeah. And also invite your friends to like the Facebook page. <laughs> That's always a good thing to do. Yeah. Well, and while we're, we're, we're begging for things for the show... Why don't you go to iTunes, especially our new listeners, our new dedicated and loyal listeners, go to iTunes and leave us a review. That is extra special helpful. All right. Moving on. Last couple of episodes, we have talked about body image issues. We read from a Facebook post about how to talk to your daughter about her body, where the first rule was do not talk to your daughter about her body. Subsequently, we we interviewed loyal listener, longtime listener, Allison from Boston, which was a great time. A lot of good information. Also, a lot of good feedback on Allison and her bravery in sharing her story and how articulate she was. It wasn't just us that was impressed by Allison. It was everybody. Yeah, for sure. So in the wake of that, I guess this is the wake. (laughs) In the wake of that, we got a voicemail from a listener, and here it is. Hey, guys. Ben here from Orange County. I just wanted to comment on the body image eating disorders discussion you guys have been having the past couple episodes. Um, I I think it's awesome. I loved the article that you guys, or Facebook article, whatever it was that you guys presented um, and talked about, and the subsequent interview I thought was awesome. Um, I just wanted to add that I think it's important to also discuss the male perspective of this situation um, and, and talk about eating disorders and body image disorders and body image issues that are affecting the male population in the United States because it's becoming a growing trend and it's become something that has affected me and my personal life and um, as well as other people that I'm very close to. Um, It's something that has really had a profound impact on how I view myself, how I view my body, and how I kind of function in in that aspect uh, of health and fitness. Um, so it, it's it's become at one point just a central role in my life, and at that point in my life, it was very it, it affected me in a very negative way, and I think that holds true for a lot of other men who experience this perfection of the male body by the media that is just unobtainable. 
Um, it, you know, there's there's kids now who are, you know, it's like something like nearly 33% of teenage males are using um, drastic dieting methods, dangerous dieting methods, and I think it's starting to become an epidemic related to this body image issue. Um, and just kind of related back to this article, I think part of it does start when kids are young and maybe even just changing the conversation to, you know, instead of how to talk to your daughter about her body, maybe how to talk to your child about your body or about their body. And the subsequent answer being don't talk to your child about their body. Um, because I think this body image issue, while it's definitely a lot more prevalent in the female population, it's beginning to become a large issue for men. Um, so just kind of want to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation, like I said. Awesome interview. Um, kudos to you guys for keeping the conversation going about this topic, um, even when a lot of people are afraid to. All right, guys. Take care. Bye. Couple of things. Um, sounded like some sort of animal well, was cr- playing in the background. No, it's Christmas time, and those were sleigh bells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounded like something was going on there. It jingle, was, jingle. Yeah, jingle, jingle, jingle. Yeah. Kind of some sort of animal maybe running back and forth. But no, I think that was, I think it's a, a good point. And we did try to touch on that a little bit. But I, I think that, you know, we were really focused on Allison telling her story. But I do think that men are affected by the media and kind of standards for men as well. And I will take your word for it. And I'll take Ben's word for it. It's not something I've ever experienced. And, you know, as I try to operate with all things... I will work from 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 position of empathy and trust that that is the case because I haven't experienced that. You know what I mean? So you've never felt bummed out about your appearance when comparing yourself to men you see in the media or advertisements or, or things like that. You've never felt less than or like you needed to do something different or look different in order to be accepted or deemed attractive? No. Hmm. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I would uh, obviously I would answer honestly. I I haven't I, because I've always felt that if I really wanted to look like that, I well, I used to in the Marine Corps. I was freaking very, very well in great, great shape. Mm-hmm. And I've always had the and maybe in my in my older years now that might not be as as realistic. But I've always thought, well, if I wanted to look like that, I could do the work and do it but i enjoy you know maple bars and and delicious foods i think that's also part of the problem is that people look at that and think well i can look like that and they do drastic things that are maybe unhealthy in order Hmm. to look like that so i think that's also part of the problem is that well i want to look like you know that image and maybe i certainly wouldn't blame it on the media or a magazine cover well, no, it's like Allison said that that isn't something that causes it, but it's something that contributes to it and yeah. doesn't help it. It doesn't make things better. Sure. I-, I could see that. Yeah. But I think what Ben said about, you know, 
just generalizing that to, to all kids and not just not just little girls. I think that's true. And I think, you know, little boys are bombarded with different messages than little girls. And some of them can be just as negative as the messages that little girls are told. So I think it is important to kind of equal the playing field and make sure that we're being mindful of the messages that we're sending to both genders. I would agree with that. I I, I would also just kind of generally agree or make the statement that parents should probably be a little bit more forward-looking about the things they're saying now to their kids because it could have unintended consequences. So just be mindful of, of that. I'm sure that that would have been gone a long way toward helping adult Allison when she was a child. Or even me, or even the countless other people, or probably even Ben. He didn't go into specifics about his experience, but I mean, and you shared being very much influenced by things that you were told. Yeah, So, sure. you know, it, it isn't just the media, and maybe I should have came at you at, from a different angle in terms of how you were influenced when you were young and what you were told and how that influenced how you view uh, l- yourself listen, now. Listen, I'm not discounting it at all. I'm not. I'm just saying that that we all individually have a responsibility for for what we ultimately become and do and how we behave. I don't know why this is turning into this weird I feel like almost defensive. I, I I agree with everything Ben said. I agree with everything Allison said. All I'm saying is I don't have an experience from which to draw that I can really identify with what Ben said. Yeah, I know. That's that's fine. Okay. You don't need to defend yourself. It is kind no, of no, no, weird. No. I think it's weird. I'll say that. No, I, I'm I'm not saying I am def- I said I feel I'm I feel like I'm being defensive right now and I, I don't have that in my heart at all. Yeah. <laughs> This went downhill real quick. All right, let's do a little follow-up before we move on. Ben Carson, I know this should probably be covered in our Dollamocracy segment, but it's just too good to wait. Ben Carson has made his comments about the pyramids being used to store grain, and that's why they were built by Joseph and not to be tombs for the pharaoh. Well, when questioned about this, he doubles down and didn't back away at all from that belief. It's still my belief, yes. Can you explain that a little bit more? What was the... Well, the pyramids were made in a way that they had hermetically sealed compartments. You wouldn't need hermetically sealed compartments uh, for a sepulcher. You would need that if you were trying to preserve grain over a long period of time. So he's just... A simpleton. Again, I guess I said that during the debate episode that is only for Patreon subscribers, so not everybody's going to know that. I ultimately think that Ben Carson is a simpleton. Well, he was also asked further in a different interview more about it, and rather than defend his view and really explain why he believes that, he went into this very short tirade about the, the media and secular progressives some people believe in the bible like i do and uh and don't find that to be silly at all and believe that god created the earth and don't find that to be silly at all the secular progressives try to ridicule it anytime it comes up and they're welcome to do that so i guess the egyptian officials they're also secular progressives 
because they have come out lambasting Ben Carson over his views about the pyramids. Egyptian antiquities officials have scoffed at claims by the Republican presidential candidate Ben Carson that Egypt's ancient pyramids were not built as tombs, but used instead to store grain. Quote, does he even deserve a response? He doesn't, said the antiquities minister on the sidelines of a news conference about recent thermal scans of the pyramids that could reveal hidden tombs. Carson's comments have received a little attention in Egypt, where people are accustomed to accepting expert views about the 4,500-year-old structures, but have drawn interest in the United States, where the retired neurosurgeon has jumped to the top of the crowded Republican presidential field. So I thought this was interesting because it's important to remember that the world is watching. Absolutely. The world is watching the United States elections. And we are definitely not inside of a vacuum here. When this person who is leading in the polls or tied or very close to yeah, leading within the margin of error and saying things like this, um, it doesn't look good to other countries. And that's that's not good. Well, it's, for us. It, it generally, it definitely could damage our position of strength both economically, militarily, reputation is a lot, especially on the global stage of international relations. It's not just like, oh, they've got a bad reputation. Eh, it doesn't really matter, though. Who cares what people think? What people think matters a lot where it relates to your currency's value, where it relates to all manner of things, military and otherwise. And when this is the guy who's leading in the polls or bare, you know, almost leading in the polls... It's terrible for us. I, it's, it's a good thing that you and I have a voice here, Brittany Page, because hopefully the world will tune in and know that not all of us are ridiculous simpletons about this. I'm a simpleton about all kinds of other stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Support for I Doubt It with Dolomore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like. Comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. And I, as I just mentioned, we did the debate episode that was released today. On Wednesday, the debate was last night, and those are always a, re- a real good time. This was actually a little different debate than usual, and uh, like I said, we Brittany and I have a, a real good time putting those together for our Patreon supporters. Before we move on, though, I would like to thank our three latest, newest Patreon supporters, Nick, Chris, and Jonathan. We appreciate your dedication and your monetary support through Patreon very, very much. It, it means the world to us. And your, your priceless I Doubt It With Dollamore stickers are on the way. Or they will be. <laughs> Hopefully. I'll, I'll get on that. Right. And now, on with the show. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So there has been a a a slew, if you will, a cadre of 
weird oh. things that have happened to different candidates this week that we're going to talk about. We covered a couple of months ago the time where Trump was encountered. He encountered a man at a rally that said the thing about President Obama not being a Christian, and Trump did nothing. In fact, he I maybe agreed a little bit. His silence indicated that you know he didn't disagree, let's say. And he was criticized for not responding to that. That's right. He was roundly criticized by people on both sides of the aisle for having not responded. We played, as a result of that, we played a clip from the 2008 campaign of John McCain where the same kind of thing happened and a little old lady said the same thing and he yanks the mic out of her hand and says, nah, 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 come on, not so fast, crazy lady. That's not what, that's not the deal. He's a good American, we just disagree. Well, a similar thing happened to Carly Fiorina on the campaign trail. I also want to hit on, there was a moment in New Hampshire uh, where a gentleman approached you in a diner and made a reference to President Obama. We have that clip and I want your response to it, if you could, please. And he doesn't want this country to get ahead. He doesn't. He's a Muslim. Well, he's a black Muslim. Time to, time to do something different in many ways. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you would. He, he made a reference to the president being a Muslim, and you're being criticized because you didn't respond to that. Well, I've responded to that over and over again. And, you know, that diner town hall, I went through substantive question after substantive question. So I've said on many occasions that President Obama tells me he's a Christian, I take him at his word. But the truth is, President Obama isn't on the ballot. The person who's on the ballot, who's going to be on the ballot on the Democrat side, is Hillary Clinton. And so I talk about the issues that face our nation. And I talk about how it is that I can beat Hillary Clinton, because in the end, we have to win the White House. Mm. But I also think it's time to do something different now. We cannot simply replace a D with an R, mm. because we've had R's in the White House over 40 years, and yet the things we say we care about haven't gotten fixed. We haven't ever slash spending. We haven't ever limited speaking the of size which, and growth of government. Speaking of which... No, no, not speaking of which. Listen, that reporter failed by not holding her feet to the fire. All she did was allow her to go into her talk track, into her talking points... And hit her campaign message. Well, while she was talking, she was going, mm, mm-hmm, mm. Right. Like, almost like, preach it, girl, yeah. Yeah, fucking bizarre. She should be held to account. The man, she is in a position of power. She's running for president of the United States. When he says, not only, ah, he's a Muslim, but then he's got to get the extra jab in there. He's a black Muslim. And why is that needed? Right. Well, it's not It's not bad enough to be a, a Muslim. If you're a black Muslim, oh my God, that's that's double duty. That's du- double duty, bad time right there. Well, and the way he said it, it was like, he's a black Muslim. Right, like, right. It was... Like almost when you say, they're Mexicans. Like, <laughs> not, well, no, no, it was a very hateful emphasis on. Yeah, of and it, from my view, it just sounded very hateful. It sounded very racist. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm on, I'm on the same page with you. 
And, and she should have said something. I, he's a black Muslim. Oh, just the vitriol. It's just, you know, goddamn. He, he, that's, he's the poster boy for xenophobia. <laughs> well, and she, and, was, she was within arm's reach of him, too. Right, and all she said is, yeah, we need to... There's a lot of things we need to fix. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, also this week, Hillary Clinton, all these candidates are running around like chickens with their heads cut off, on the campaign trail, and she was, I guess, I guess, in similar fashion, addressed by a man, and I'm going to play this whole thing, it's only like a minute and a half, but this guy, he loves the sound of his own fucking voice, I guess that's kind of a dumb thing for me to say, the man who has a podcast at his own behest, criticizing the former Hewlett Packard worker who wants to talk. When Kali Fiorina was CEO... I went, to, I went to Colorado on training, right? And I came back, and I was doing my job. I got a $1,000 job performance. It was like a gift. Okay. I get sent to California for training and for a trade show, showing customers and everything. I was a systems engineer on fiber channel storage. Okay. I come back, I got a, a $3,000 bonus for, for teaching these people. Then I get another $1,000 for job performance again. So that's $5,000 in bonuses for job performance. I get called in with a bunch of other engineers. My division's making money. I get laid off. There's 20,000 of us. We get laid off, right? She told us it was for cost cutting. A couple of months after we get laid off, 20,000 people, she bought two jets to fly executives around the country instead of using commercial aircraft. I saw friends of mine that had over 20 years in digital in Hewlett Packard lose their homes, their marriages broke up because of, because of the stress and strain they were under. And to see this woman say that she grew the company three times, she merged the company with digital equipment and with compact computer. That's not growing a company when you absorb two other companies. And then she laid off over 40,000 people. And she says she's a great CEO. Every time I see her on TV, I want to reach through and strangle her. <laughs> you know, I, I know that doesn't sound very nice. But... And I, can... I wouldn't mess with you. <laughs> I can tell when she's lying because her lips are moving, you know? It, it's ridiculous with this woman. And then to see her say that you're a liar really upsets me yeah well unfortunately that's the political <laughs> the political season we're in it's uh so hillary clinton's being criticized in like fashion to to the actions or the lack of actions of both carly fiorina and and donald trump and i don't agree i'm i'm not one ever to come to hillary clinton's defense but I don't see that this rises to the level of the others. So when I first heard it, I thought that it was bad. But I mean, when I first heard the headline, but now this is the first time I've listened to it. And I don't I don't think it is as bad. I mean, because what could she have done? Like, like, ha Oh, wait, I'm sorry, sir. That's advocating violence against women. Please just, don't make a domestic violence joke in my presence, he's sir. He's clearly a guy who just want to reach through the TV and strangle her. It's, uh, it's, 
he it's said lighthearted and kind of funny. He's not he's it's not like oh I just want to reach through the TV and beat the shit out of her until she's a bloody mess on the floor, and then sick some black Muslims on her. <laughs> Right, he's not making a pejorative comment about her race or her religion, so... It's, it's yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it's the same. And I think any of the, the criticisms that are being leveled against Hillary Clinton are either out of ignorance or out of political machinations, because it's not the same thing. Machinations. Yeah, you like that? Pretty nice. <laughs> Just a you know. Yeah, pretty good. Well... In another occurrence this week, and this involves Jeb Bush, he's being criticized, and the media, goddamn, they make me so fucking mad sometimes. You know, Brittany, they make me so mad, I want to reach through the TV and strangle them. Uh, hold on, I'm Googling machination. <laughs> Jeb Bush was asked, in a, I think a very lighthearted exchange with a reporter on his campaign bus, he was asked, what's the craziest email you've gotten? I said, if you could go back in time and kill baby Hitler, would you? I need to know. And? Hell yeah, I would. <laughs> Even if he was really cute? No, look, you gotta, you gotta, gotta step up, man. I mean, that's, that would be key. Problem with going back in history and doing that is, as we know from the uh, series, what was the name of the Michael Fox movies? Back to the Future. Back to the Future, it has a, it could have a, dangerous effect on, on everything else. So. But I'd do it. I mean, okay. Hitler. And if you watch the video, he, listen, this is the, the Jeb Bush we need on the campaign. Mm -hmm. Laid back, easygoing, relatable. He's being funny. Like I said, the guy who was on The Tonight Show talking about how much he loves guacamole. That's <laughs> that's the Jeb Bush that we need all the time. Be this, this clearly was joking. He's asked, what's the craziest email you've ever gotten? And it's this, you know, I need to know that you would go back and kill Hitler. <laughs> right. And <laughs> any answers, very funny. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he's been criticized. And then reporters take this as though it was a serious statement. And then they ask Ben Carson in a serious manner. And of course, he can't joke because he's, you know, he's a fucking robot. Well, he's barely awake most of the time. <laughs> so... He's high on his barbiturates, and this came about. So let me ask each of you something about a story that will not go away, that has now gotten a little bit bigger. Katrina, let me ask you. Ben Carson tonight said he would not abort baby Hitler. All right? Now, for people out there who are saying, what did Aaron just say? I, I said what I just said. He was asked if he would abort baby Hitler. He said no. Now, Jeb Bush said the other day, hell yeah, he would kill baby Hitler. What, who had the better answer? I, that is just very strange. I mean, this is another one of those strange things that Ben Carson says. Um, and for Jeb Bush to say that, I mean, he's supposed to be a pro-life candidate, regardless of who the baby is. Um, but again, this is just another example of the Ben Carson that we see out there saying the strangest things for the strangest reasons. It doesn't make any sense. Essie, what do, what do you make of that? Is there an answer, no, there, a right answer to that no, question? They're, that you, they're, they're both losers for answering a, a really stupid question. I mean, find me one voter. You find me one voter 
who cares about that question, and I will I will allow any candidate to actually answer it. I mean, honestly, I I'm going to write a book about the 2016 election, and it's going to be called "Should Would You Have Killed Baby Hitler?" and other questions that came up, like "Does going to prison make you gay?" What was actually in the Egyptian pyramids? I mean, some of this stuff is pure nonsense. And whether you're Jeb Bush or Ben Carson or anyone else, sometimes you have to rise above, shake your head, figure out where the heck you are and say, that's crazy. I'm not going there. Okay, well, I could agree with that, except (laughs) for the fact that Ben Carson is the one who continues to talk about things. Right. He's talking about the pyramids. I mean, he's bringing this stuff up. Now, I understand that Jeb Bush, you know, gave this this question. He said this was a weird email that I got. And so he kind of prompted it. Yeah, but it's funny. Right. But he's it's not a serious question. Even when you watch the video, S.E. Cup. Which usually I like her, but she's clearly talking from an uninformed position here because she doesn't know if she'd watched the video of Jeb Bush. He's it's clearly a jokey time. He's not answering a substantive pol- policy question. It's oh yeah, you gotta help kill Hitler. Yeah, you know you time machine. He's, he's fucking joking. Well, also it's a meaningless question. I mean, it really <laughs> is. It doesn't have any serious implications for anything i mean right. it's it's just a question that people sometimes talk about like hey haha would you go back in time and kill a baby hitler like for some <laughs> reason that is like something that people talk about yes for whatever uh, reason it's fucking annoying get it together media get it together all right let's i think this episode is just gonna be filled with a lot of craziness well Be- great because apparently Christians are up in arms. We talked about this last time. Um, And I don't really believe that real, normal, average, everyday, salt-of-the-earth Christians are losing their minds over this. But Starbucks has released, and I'm sure you've heard of this because it's it's all the media can talk about. uh, Starbucks has released their new... There are new coffee cups for the season, for the, the, the holiday season, as they always do, the different design every year. And this year, there's no jingle bells, there's no snowflakes, there's no like, whatever else, Christmas tree ornaments or tree or well, they're Christmas tree ornaments. Anyway, it has led uh, f- 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 show favorite Josh Joshua Feuerstein to lose his mind and do another one of his vertical iPhone videos. And let's let's let you hear that before we move on. Hey guys, what's up? Josh Fairstein here. You know, I think in the age of political correctness, we become so open-minded, our brains have literally fallen out of our head. Uh, wait, what? What, what was that, Brittany? He... The, the brains have literally fallen <laughs> out of the head. The brains are... It sounds like a really serious... Well, if that is the case, that is a serious problem. Yeah, when brains scary. are literally yeah. falling out of you. You need your brain. Yeah. I yeah. mean, maybe that's what his problem is, that his brain has literally fallen out of his goddamn giant pumpkin head. Hey, guys, what's up? Josh Fairstein here. You know, I think in the age of political correctness, we become so open-minded, our brains have literally fallen out of our head. Do you realize that Starbucks wanted to take Christ and Christmas off of their brand-new cups? That's why they're just plain red. In fact, do you realize that Starbucks isn't allowed to say Merry Christmas to customers? Well, I decided instead of simply boycott... Let me stop it there. 
please, because I can hardly take uh, the fast talking. Starbucks is taking Christ off their cups. Yeah. As far as I know, Starbucks has never had the word Christ printed onto their coffee cups. That would be correct. And you'd think that he would know that in what he's saying, okay? The company that doesn't allow its employees to say Merry Christmas is taking Christ off their cups. So at one point, they had Christ on their cups, but they don't want people... They don't want their employees saying Merry Christmas. Right. Which... Well, goddamn, let's just let it continue. I I don't hate people, but I really don't like this guy because he's either just a hateful prick or he is a con artist. You know, he there 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 are there are he, there's another agenda here, and I believe it might probably, I mean, very likely be monetary. Cutting? Well, why don't we just start a movement? So when I went in and I asked for my coffee, they asked for my name, and I told them my name is Merry Christmas. So guess what, Starbucks? I tricked you into putting Merry Christmas on your cup. And I'm challenging all great Americans and Christians around this great nation, go into Starbucks and take your own coffee selfie. And then I challenge you to not only share this video so that the word gets out, but let's start a movement. And let's call it, I don't know, hashtag Merry Christmas Starbucks. And I know that by sharing this video and getting other Christians to do it, well, I guarantee that we can make this go around the world. And Starbucks, guess what? Just to offend you, I made sure to wear my Jesus Christ shirt into your store and since you hate the second amendment i even carried my gun yikes anyways guys please take a moment choose to not be politically correct just correct share the video like comment below i want to know your thoughts god bless have a really really beautiful day uh seriously he's he's the fucking worst so he actually has been given like more of a platform. They had him on CNN to talk about this issue, which I thought was a very strange choice on CNN's part. To, With Brooke Baldwin, right? Yeah, to have him on. Um, luckily, there was a major... Wait, no, he was on with Brianna Keeler. Oh, that's right. Brianna Keeler. And there was a major audio problem. So Josh Feuerstein couldn't hear anything that the guest was saying to him. And it was just a complete... Cluster F. But anyway, the point is, he was on CNN. This guy who makes these YouTube videos with like these close-ups of his face, and he's just like talking a mile a minute. Guess what, Starbucks? I tricked you. He was on CNN. (laughs) Yeah, he was on CNN. Yeah. Listen, I've talked about it in different YouTube videos that I've made. If you'd like to see one of them, just go to YouTube and search Josh Feuerstein and Dollamore. And... This guy has, I just looked, I you know, the last time I looked, like 1.8 million Facebook followers, likes, whatever. That's, that's scary. But I don't think your average run-of-the-mill, even after having said that, I don't believe that your average Christian, normal Christian, is buying into this. I have seen a lot of people commenting and saying, you know, who is mad about this? I haven't seen anyone that I personally know that is genuinely upset about this. And I would say that's true for me as well. I haven't seen anyone that I personally know be upset with the decision to make the Starbucks cup just blank red. Um, But (laughs) I was reading through Joshua Fierstein's page and there are 
there are a lot of people on his page that oh, very yeah? much are outraged by this. Buying into it. And it's very much a concern for them. <laughs> um, so that's, it's pretty interesting. That is so great. Well, and then you have Donald Trump commenting on it. And he kind of stepped on his own D, as you would say, because he has a Starbucks inside of his Trump Tower. <laughs> and so he like realized that while he was talking. Huh. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's this is ridiculous. It's it's another he this guy is piggybacking on to this war on Christmas narrative that Fox News tries to gin up every year. He's just doing it way earlier, getting ahead of the game. And I think really he's an opportunist is what he is. I don't believe he really has a concern about this. And then even when asked and questioned about, well, you know, they have several products inside of of Starbucks that have Christmas in the name. Right, like coffee blends, Christmas blends, those right. kind of things. And he's... Uh, 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 the cups uh, are the most important part of Starbucks. Right. That's what he said. So he wants this private business to alienate other religions by advocating for a certain religion, his religion. That's the other thing about everyone is so angry with this whole, you know, employees can't say Merry Christmas. It's not just about Christmas. I mean, there's many different holidays that occur around this time of year. And not everyone celebrates Christmas. What if during August and October and whenever fucking Ramadan is, what if they had the, the, the star and crescent on the coffee cups to honor Ramadan? And then everyone he, was wished a happy Ramadan? Yeah, he would, lose, thing? he would lose his fucking mind. Oh, my God. Right. Obama's a black Muslim. That is the kind of shit this guy says. By the way, that is the other thing he said on CNN. He said that Obama is not a Christian uh, on CNN. Right. Well, he said it in the video that I, that I panned. Um, during it was after the Supreme Court decision on on marriage equality, and he did the same thing with the guns and the goddamn Obama's not a, a Christian. He's he's a terrible person. All right, let's move on to the next thing that's been big in the news, and we've talked about this before about safe zones and and trigger warnings. On campus, well, two separate instances are in the news right now. One involves Yale University and the other is the University of Missouri. Let's start with Yale. So at the heart of the controversy are two emails and a Facebook post. On October 28th, Yale's Intercultural Affairs Council sent a message that urged students to reconsider wearing cultural costumes on Halloween that might offend some students. Erica Christakis, a Yale lecturer who serves as an associate master at one of the university's 12 residential colleges, wrote a response questioning the need to exercise implied control over students' choice of garb. Is there no room anymore for a child to be a little bit obnoxious, a little bit inappropriate or provocative, or yes, offensive? Her email generated backlash, and a Facebook post on an unrelated matter soon added fuel to the fire. The post accused members of a Yale fraternity, Sigma Alpha 
Epsilon of turning away black and Latina women from a party saying, quote, white girls only. The chapter's leaders have denied the allegations, but the post went viral. Yale is investigating the fraternity, which had already been suspended until next fall after a campus committee found it had violated the university's sexual misconduct policy. Well, if that's the case, then that needs to be dealt with. But the issue here lies with the student's reaction to Professor Christakis's email saying, look, it's not my job to tell people what they can and can't wear. Well, students surrounded the master for Silliman College, and rather than having a, a, a metered intellectual discussion amongst adults, this is what took place. The exception is because other people have rights too, not just walk, walk away. Walk away. It doesn't deserve to be quiet. For all students. You understand that? As your position as master, it is your job to create a place of comfort and home for the students that live in Silliman. You have not done that. By sending out that email, that goes against your position as master. Do you understand that? Then no, I stop. don't agree with that. Then, then why the fuck did you accept the position? Because what I the fuck hired you? I have a different vision. You should step down. If that is what you think about being a master, you should step down. It is not about creating an intellectual space. It is not. Do you understand that? It's about creating a home here. You are not doing that. You're supposed You're to be our advocate. That. You should be at the event last night when you hear a front on say that she didn't know how to create a safe pants for her freshman in Silliman. How do you explain that? These freshmen come here, they think this is what Yale is? Do you hear that? They're going to leave. They're going to transfer because you are a poor steward of the community. You should not sleep at night. We're out. We're out. You are disgusting. All because... He has a different, as he puts it, a different vision for his role at the college. Right. So it just needs to be made clear that that is a, a student at Yale University. Screaming at a professor. Screaming at a professor like that. Yes. Um, that is pretty, that's pretty profound. Uh, a student, I don't know who, because this op-ed has since been deleted, but it was published at the Yale Herald. And it was titled Hurt at Home. And it was about hurt feelings. And they've deleted it. And the author requested that it be removed because it obviously went out to a wider audience than just Yale University. And the author was very uncomfortable with that. So it has since been deleted. Wow. And I can't find record of it. But I would love to read it. Um, I mean, obviously, this girl, her name is being reported as Geraldine Luther. Mm-hmm. And she's being reported as a senior at Yale. That's right. That's what I've read, too. So now people are kind of digging into her past to find out a little about her because this video went viral. And yeah, it did. Uh, kind of what's happening is there's a public reaction that this is this is aligning with the the whole free speech issue on campuses where mm-hmm. everyone wants a safe space. You could hear her saying this isn't a place for like an intellectual community. She was saying it's a place where we come to make a home, a, a safe space. Right. So that, that's the new buzzword now. Right. safe space on campus. So apparently Yale isn't a place where you go to be intellectually challenged or stim- stimulated. Right. It's where you go to make a home and 
feel really comfortable and not have your ideas or beliefs challenged. Well, listen, we need to kind of unpack this safe space idea a little bit. If safe space is is meaning a place where you're free from molestation, a place from where you're you're safe from violence, uh, a, a place where you're safe from having your your life and liberty taken from you, your property taken from you, I agree. Of course. But if they're talking about safe from uncomfortable ideas, safe from ideas with which they disagree, then that's completely ludicrous. Right. So there was there was a lot of reaction to the column about hurt at home, which was kind of a summary. Like I said, I can't find it now because it's since been deleted. But there there was a lot of reaction to it because it was this article written about how feelings have been hurt. Right. And these are adults. And so this is a tweet. I'm going to read a series of tweets kind of giving you a flavor of what the commentary was, what the reaction was to this column. I don't want to debate. I want to talk about my pain is not a compelling argument. So apparently that's what the column was, is, listen, I'm just going to tell you all how I feel, but I don't want to have a conversation about it. I'm going to shut down conversation. Right, right. Which was what was happening in that video. Absolutely. Then this person said, shut up. I am a delicate little flower. A delicate little flower. And then they shared the link. So apparently that summarizes. Is Yale letting in eight-year-olds? Because that is the only thing that explains this letter about hurty feelings. That was another tweet reaction. Yeah, yeah. But listen, I mean, this isn't a reaction to an email that just said, we can't control what What students do. What adults do. We can't tell them what to wear and what not to wear is a Halloween costume. This isn't fifth grade. These aren't 10 and 11-year-old children. These are 18, 19, 20, and above. These are adults. I mean, what are you going to do? So someone shows up on campus in a costume, a, a culturally insensitive costume. You know, I'm not sure what I, that would be, but I guess we could ponder. And someone shows up wearing that. What happens? Are they going to be arrested? Are well, they going like to be if suspended? You, if you wear uh, an Indian chief costume, that would fall under this kind of description. If you wear a Nazi uniform as a Halloween costume, as insensitive and shitty as that is, it's not against the law. Right. So what do they want to happen to people who do that is kind of my question. I mean, what would they have preferred that the university come down with a policy and say, listen, if someone shows up wearing this, we're going to flog them. I mean, what do you want to happen? It's it's bizarre. This isn't just within academia, though. Uh, I'm going to read an excerpt here. From Jelani Cobb in The New Yorker, and she's saying that free speech is a tool of oppression and disenfranchisement. And this is from The New Yorker. She says, these are not abstractions, and this is where the arguments about the freedom of speech become most tone deaf. The freedom to offend the powerful is not equivalent to the freedom to bully the relatively disempowered. The Enlightenment principles that undergird free speech are so prescribed that the natural limits of one's liberty lie at the precise point at which it begins to impose upon the liberty of another. This is ludicrous. So who decides who's more powerful, who's less powerful, to whom you get to speak, to whom you don't get to speak, what kind of speech? This is the slippery slope that we want to avoid. This is why... In almost all instances, the First Amendment is upheld. The freedom of speech 
is a powerful, powerful right that should not be infringed by someone because they're sensitive about someone wearing a Halloween costume. So this happened on Friday. Uh, Yale students protested a forum on free speech. And the protesters actually ended up like spitting on people that had attended this forum on free speech. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was confirmed that it happened. So (laughs) the attendees were spit on at a protest for free speech by these these protesters these from anti-free Yale. These anti-free speech people. These Yale University students. Yeah. I mean, what is going on here? This is Yale. Yeah, I know. Well-respected, higher-learning institution. You're going, you're going to Yale. <laughs> you would expect them to be smarter, would you not, Brittany Page? And they're spitting on people and calling them racists because they're going to a free speech forum. <laughs> I mean, it's so confusing. Yeah, it's ridiculous. The same kind of thing right now is happening with this safe space business at the University of Missouri. What started with noble intentions, because there have been several racist altercations and incidents on campus, even to the point where a swastika was drawn onto a bathroom wall in human feces. I mean, terrible shit is going, no pun intended. Bad stuff's going on there. That's horrific. What is someone doing? What is... They've been calling for... Well, it's Missouri. They've been calling for a the president to step down, the president of the college, and he just this week did finally step down, but only when the majority black football team said, we're not going to play BYU this week, and it's going to cost the university a million dollars if we oh, don't. Wow. And so I guess... The powers that be stood up and said, yeah, you got to go, dude. Well, just money is the biggest motivator. <laughs> right. I mean, you're going to lose a million dollars. No. Well, so now the, the the black students and the black student, the allies of the black students, they've created this like tent camp out there and they've it's their safe space, quote unquote. Hmm. Journalists, I believe student journalists and, you know, professional journalists were out there to cover the incident, what's going on cover their protest i mean they're protesting because they want to be heard they want their message to be to be amplified that's what the the purpose of a protest is it's look at me i'm angry so when the journalists show up to cover they are ejected summarily ejected from the premises and one won't leave because there's no i have a right to be here the freedom of the press and everything else and a professor says, okay, she turns around, she screams, I need some help getting rid of a journalist who won't lead. I need some muscle over here. So she's threatening physical restraint or whatever to get rid of this the student journalist. It's just out of control. And she was a professor in the communications department mm-hmm. at Missouri, which coincidentally or ironically enough has one of the nation's oldest and most respected journalists journalism schools so i don't know what's happening on on college campuses in 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 america right now but something needs to be done this is out of control yeah i mean it's 
I don't understand what's going on because this, I mean, has this always been a thing or is this just a recent trend that is occurring? Because not like this, I don't ever remember. I haven't heard so many stories about safe spaces and concerns on campus campuses as I, as I have the last couple of months. Yeah. So, well, the good news is you've got liberals like Dave Rubin, you've got Peter Bogosian, you've got uh, Sam Harris, of course. There are a lot of rational, reasonable people out there who are countering this nonsense, this hyper uber sensitivity, this take care of me. My feelings are more important than the the fundamental rights of other people. And uh, there is a movement afoot to squash this. Well, at University of Missouri, it does seem like there is a real racial tension Ab- problem. Absolutely. I wouldn't deny that. And so that is also really concerning. I mean, it's 2015 and this university is having a major racial tension problem. I was shocked that the the, pop- the blacks only make up like 7% of the, of the school student body. That's bizarre to me because Missouri isn't... Uh, a very white bread state. It's, there's a large black population. St. Mm. Louis, Kansas City. I mean, it's it's not just it's not like Idaho. You know, there there are there are racial minorities that live there. Mm-hmm. That's just weird. Anyway, let's 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 move on. I I do want to solicit for for opinions, especially dissenting opinions. But of course, if you want to tell us how you agree, we we want to hear that too. As always, voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Let's talk about this religious children being less altruistic study that just came out. I find this super, super interesting. Yeah, so it's being reported everywhere, um, you know, in multiple news outlets, and in my opinion, is not being reported well. Wow, so yeah, huh? in Time Magazine, the headline is, Study shows non-religious kids are more altruistic and generous than religious ones. Okay, that headline's okay. This headline said, Religious children meaner than agnostic and atheist kids. I Study re- finds. I read that headline. Um, No, but okay. So... <laughs> This this is kind of going to be a lesson in just reading headlines or reading just basic media reporting because... Someone who inaccurately describes the abstract of a study and not getting into the numbers and the details and the methodology. Yeah, so this study was actually called The Negative Association Between Religiousness and Children's Altruism Across the World. Negative Association. So... I'm going to be relying pretty heavily on Jerry Coyne's blog on this. He writes the blog, Why Evolution is True, and he did a pretty lengthy blog on this study. And what I really liked about what he had to say is that this study kind of goes against common beliefs and common beliefs that are often promoted by religious people. Right, that if you're religious, you're just a better person. Right. And he says, but because the study plays into what we atheists would like to think, it behooves us to look at it especially carefully. And I really like that line because when you're reading through the headlines, blah, 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 blah. And you see when it says, oh, religious kids are less nice than non-religious kids. Hell yeah, I'm going to share this. It confirms your bias. Right. But but no. 
So Jerry Coyne read the paper multiple times, and I think the most important thing that he talks about is that the authors do show that in a specific laboratory setting, children from homes that are agnostic or atheistic do indeed tend to be more generous on a specific task than children from religious homes. So the important aspects here are that this was a specific setting, and they were doing a specific task. Now, the way that they measured their altruism was through this thing called the dictator game. So children were told to play this game. And how the game works is basically they're shown a set of 30 stickers and they're told to choose they're told to choose 10 of their favorite stickers. They are then told these stickers are yours to keep. Children are then instructed that the experimenter did not have time to play this game with all of the children in the school, so not everyone was able to receive stickers. Boo. (laughs) Then children were finally shown a set of envelopes and informed that they could give some of their stickers to another child who would not be able to play this game by putting them in one envelope, and they could put the stickers they wanted to keep in the other envelope. Experimenters turned around during the child's choice, and the children were instructed to inform the experimenter when they were finished. Altruism was calculated as the number of stickers shared out of 10. Okay, so this is how altruism was defined right. in the, this study. So they are, they are taking the word and then kind of putting it into their own paradigm, their own methodology. Right, which is what researchers do. So altruism was estimated as the number of stickers that kids gave away that they could have kept for themselves. Right. When you were reading the headlines, is this what you thought altruism meant? No, not at all. Well, especially the one where uh, religious kids are meaner than atheist kids. Right, because is is it mean that they're not giving up stickers? Right. It's also fucking stickers. (laughs) It's not food, and you're telling them that the other students are hungry, and they would really like some food. I mean, it's... It's fucking stickers. Right. Okay, so another kind of... I'm just going to kind of review a couple of things here. One thing that I also thought was problematic is that children from non-religious homes, as estimated by their parents, are less likely to be empathetic and sensitive to the plight of others. What does that mean, as estimated by their parents? Right, their parents rated that. Their parents oh. gave their perspective. So it's just self... It's It's... It's not even self-reporting. It's it's hearsay reporting. Right. It's based on how... Tell us what you think about your kid here, parents. Right, right. I mean, is that really something that... It's worthless. I mean, I I don't know if it's worthless, but it just isn't that good well, also, to go off of, probably. What parent doesn't think more positively about their child than someone else's child, say? You know? I don't think... I just don't think it's an accurate um, metric. So the important thing that Jerry Coyne says is, even if it is an index of altruism, what we see is short-term behavior of young children in a laboratory setting. It is not clear whether this behavioral difference would carry over into adulthood or into more real-world situations where one is actually making a real sacrifice by helping someone else. So I think that's a really important point. And it's not saying that this study is worthless, right? This study shows something interesting. They found an interesting finding you know, right, right. you can only define altruism and study it in so many different ways. And that was that's a fine way to do it. It's just saying that this isn't necessarily generalizable to all situations, to all kids. You can't just universally say that religious kids are meaner than non-religious kids. Right. It's it's kind of a it's a hey, cool. It, put your pen down for a second, reporter. <laughs> 
cool it with the articles for a minute until you really understand because there might not be something salacious to write here. It might be just, yeah, that's kind of interesting, but it really we there's that's not a hardcore, hard and fast finding to report. Right. So I'm going to post this Why Evolution is True blog to the Facebook page and the Twitter page like we always do. So you can read the entire thing. It's quite long. He goes through many different things and it was really beneficial to read. And this is really why it's it's difficult, right? Because it's just so much easier to read headlines and to believe what time is saying. It's a lot more difficult to pull the study, to read the study, yeah, no or to, to wait for Jerry Coyne to do the summary for you and read it for right. you. So it's hard, but we must resist when the headline seems too good to be true. Especially those who are consider themselves skeptics or, you know, reason-based thinkers, atheists. Um, I think we have a, a, a greater obligation because we do rely upon evidence and good, solid evidence. And so thanks to Jerry Coyne for being a genius as always and uh, helping simplify the process of me figuring out the truth on this. <laughs> and he, Jerry Coyne's also another one who has spoke, has been very outspoken about the, uh, the, Trigger warnings and the safe space talk. and Of course. Yeah, he's he's great. All right. Well, listen, we're going to end it there. We do have the Thanksgiving episode coming up. I really want your submissions. Again, 657-464-7609. Email a voice memo from your smartphone, even better, to idoubted at dollamore.com. We would love your iTunes reviews. They, they do a great job of getting us in front of new iTunes listeners. They push, a, they push us way up in the what's hot category, and they make it more readily available, possibly to push us back into the new and noteworthy. All of that is all something that you can help us with. So if you haven't reviewed us, please do. We would really appreciate it. If after all that, you're still dying to help us out, you can go to dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page... Click the Amazon search bar and buy a book or something great since Thanksgiving and Christmas is all on the way. Every little bit goes a long way, and we love and appreciate everything that you do for us. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. I, he's a black Muslim. Oh.